0: Hello everyone and welcome back to this week's podcast as we continue to look at covenants. Now this is not actually the original introduction to this episode. Uh, When I sat down to do the edit on this episode I found, alas, that um, uh, Lachlan's recording and Luke's recording and Ken's recording were, were there as good as gold, but we record each from our own houses and my own recording has vanished from the face of the earth. I can find no evidence that it even ever existed. I, I can't find um, the the directory on the computer where it was saved, and it's not in my list of recent files, and it's it's not uh, available to be recovered. And all I can assume is that it has been taken in the secret rapture. Um, as, it, as it is said, one will be taken and another will remain. And so it has happened with the... Uh, with the tracks from the recording for this week's episode, which, which leaves a, a fairly lopsided conversation. Luke and Locke and Ken's insights are still available to you. My own uh, are not. And all I can say is I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed at how well this podcast flows without my own contributions. So uh, what we've done is we have uh, pieced together some of the key thoughts from the podcast, where we're able, and we've released these, uh, we're going to edit in a sound—a ding or a dong or a, a noise of some description—to uh, let you know that we're we're moving from one break in the recording to the next. There's some good ideas in there. Um, just before we get in there, I'll give a rough rundown of what my own contributions to the conversation were, under broad categories. We're looking at the call of Abraham, and uh, particularly the part of that call and covenant where Abraham was told he would become a blessing or through him all nations in the world would be blessed. And uh, the two main observations that I uh, made to this discussion, to which some of the other people will refer in the in the excerpts that you're about to listen to, uh, were that Abraham did not just see his um, being a blessing and his descendants being a blessing to all nations as something that was God's responsibility to organize that would happen in the distant future, Abraham actively worked to be a blessing to those around him. And and we refer in this story to uh, the account of where Abraham rescued Lot after he had been captured, and Abraham refuses to be paid for that. And then uh, we, we dwell a little bit uh, on the story several chapters later in Genesis where uh, Sarah dies and is buried. And Abraham negotiates for a place to bury sarah and i'd remembered that story uh i'd remember that abraham had purchased a tomb what i had not remembered and that came out in our discussion is that abraham was offered many times to uh to take the tomb free of charge uh the hittites and and the people to whom he spoke said no they said you are a prince among us you can bury your wife in any of our tombs choose the best tombs and abraham refused he, he he wouldn't do that he insisted on paying a full price even though he had been promised this land as his on the occasions where the inhabitants of that land wanted to give him gifts when he rescued um lot and the king of sodom and, and gomorrah try and tell abraham they should take lots of the gifts abraham says no i won't do that because I don't want anyone to say, be able to say that they made Abraham rich. And, uh, and when he goes to buy a tomb for his wife, he insists on paying full price. Abraham was, was not ever going to tread on other people in order to get his share of God's blessing. He was quite comfortable not to see it come to fruition in his lifetime. And to trust to God that it would carry out in the long term and to deal fairly with the people around him and to be a blessing in his own lifetime. And uh, we there are various perspectives on these stories that that play out. There's some very insightful comments. I hope you enjoy the discussion. And uh, next week we'll do better to make sure that uh, all participants are, are recorded and present when it comes to the
1: edit. <laughs>
2: the The reason for us turning back to this, the call of Abram, as it's titled in my Bible, the start of Genesis twelve, the start of the Abram story, is, you know, last week we spent a lot of time discussing the covenant with Abram and contrasting it in certain ways with the the one that God made after the flood with Noah and his family, and a great deal of emphasis was placed on land, you know, God in Genesis fifteen when God is walking as a flame between the carcasses of the animals. The, the covenant that comes at that part of the story is about the land. God says, I will give you this land. To me, the land is less prominent here at the, the call of Abram than, than the family and the blessing. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed I I think there are a number of things that did surprise abram he's told he's told to leave his father's land that's uh maybe unsettling, but maybe not the most surprising bit, the being told that he will become a great nation is clearly a little surprising because when Abram does leave, he takes his nephew Lot with him. And certainly a number of commentators that I've read argue that he is expecting the promise of descendants to be fulfilled through Lot um, rather than, rather than indirectly in his own family Um, obviously we know the story well that Abram and Sarah uh, have difficulty falling pregnant and that becomes a focus of the story a little later on. So I think there are a number of surprising elements here. Although there is that weird part about um, anyone who dishonours you, I will curse. Uh, it's It's the one, I don't know, if there's a carrot and a stick, this is the one stick part of this passage. Everything else seems to be fairly fairly carrot-filled. Um, God's not only blessing Abram and making of him a great nation and making his name great, but he's doing it so that through this family, he's going to be able to bless all the families of the earth. It's really interesting that it's said in those those words to me, because here is God choosing a particular family. And in the context of Genesis, this is sort of the first time that's, that's happened, zooming in on one family and choosing them. For a particular task or purpose, but the purpose oh, is no, to bless everyone. No, no,
3: no, Noah Noah was one family.
2: Fair enough. Yes. Okay.
3: Yep. But so not the first time, but another example of doing that. Yes.
2: Uh. Yes. <laughs> but Noah Noah. The big difference, of course, was that Noah's family was not chosen so that through them God could bless all the families of the earth um, in quite the same way. Perhaps, can. No. No. Yeah. All, all right. I understand. Yeah. there's something really subtle about that Cam that goes all the way back to the Cain and Abel story and we don't have time perhaps to dig into it in too much detail other than to say Cain is an agriculturalist who brings fruit from trees and when you have fruit trees they take years to mature and then they yield crops for a long time and you need to guard that land it's very hard to take your fruit trees with you to a new place. Abel comes with livestock. Livestock have legs, they move. In fact, most, historically, most livestock farmers have been nomadic as they take their livestock to wherever the good food and good water is. And right at that earliest part of human history in Genesis, there seems to be something favorable about maintaining that slight disconnection from possessiveness of the land and there seems to be something slightly distasteful about being the sort of person who is extremely possessive over the land and i find that a a valid challenge to us because in our in our modern western economies property ownership is so important and i don't just mean physical land and housing but all kinds of property um and it's a challenge, isn't it, to think about being called to be dwellers in a land that is not yours. Well,
4: look, it's even a bit more—it's a bit more sophisticated than that in its effects, even because, effective functionally, what this is is a very modern um, mechanism for addressing income inequality because it—it it essentially acts to reset. Society back to a default state of of sort of equality um, after a period of time in which you know the rich got richer and the poor got poorer um, because that is a tendency of every economy if you 've got money it's easy to get more money if you haven 't got any money, it's hard to get any um, and this is a very deliberate mechanism that as as far as I'm aware, is entirely unparalleled at any point in human history until very recently you have concepts like something like universal basic income, um, or, um, something like, um, public, public housing on, on lifetime leases, um, something like what they do in Singapore, things like that start to come close to this concept similarly, but it, certainly in the ancient world, it was unheard of for something like this. Incredibly revolutionary.
3: Interestingly enough, um, uh... It's in the Australian Capital Territory. Uh, You don't have freehold ownership uh, like uh, in the other states and territories in Australia. Uh, When you buy property, you buy a ninety-nine year lease. Um, So half, uh, twice the uh, uh, period in those texts.
2: This idea of distributing, being an agent of blessing, being blessed by God, so that. Through you, God can bless the world. This is central. It is the central component of the call of Abraham, of God's initial promise to Abraham. Um, I, the tempta- we've commented in the podcast before, but it bears repeating that the temptation is very great to stop reading halfway through. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. It's so tempting to stop there and to become the proud owner or possessor of some special blessing. Um, you know, I think Adventist Christians have found it very easy to yield to the temptation of feeling that, that we are especially blessed by God because of obedience to all Ten Commandments, for example, or, or the, the gifting of certain messengers um, in, our, in our history.
3: What we we should be obsessing about is not whether we have the blessing, but whether we are being the blessing. Well, almost inevitably, we haven't, even if we think we have. Um, And you think of the uh, the sheep and the goats, uh, the uh, wise and the foolish virgins, uh, the story's the same with all of them. They think they have, uh, but they haven't. Uh, So perhaps there's a great warning in that for us if you think you've got it, uh, be very careful.
2: I find it quite interesting in this context to contrast the call of Abram and God's message, God's clear message there, with the focus of the covenants. Uh, and I am I actually think that this call of Abram in Genesis 12 has the hallmarks of, of a covenant, as we've been discussing it, but it it just to happen In my translation, at least it doesn't happen to use that word to describe what's going on. But Genesis 15 certainly does. But in Genesis 15, we looked at this last week, the issue is about the land. God says to Abram, um, know that your offspring will be sojourners in a land, but then after 400 years, I'll bring judgment on the nations that they serve, and they'll come out with great possessions. But as for you, you'll be safe. And then... God says in again in Genesis 15, this is where the word covenant is used. God made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I will give this land. And we commented last week how much land that seemed to be, a great amount. Genesis 15 is obsessed with the land, not with the blessing or the mission. Because if you think about it, the original call of Abram was a missional call. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others, and I half wonder to myself: Is it possible that Genesis 15 and Genesis 17, actually, to be honest, that both use the word covenant quite a bit? They're focused on the land. Is that reflective of the fact that Abram ended up being a bit concerned about the land and kept kept being worried about this? Is it partly a, a bit of a window into this fundamental desire that's within our human nature to be to be counting? our possessions. And is it almost as if it's a distraction from the mission God has called Abraham to?
4: It could be, Locke. It could also be that when it says, I will give you the land, the meaning is, I will give you the land to use for your mission. Not, I will give you Mm. the land to have for your possession. Um, Because the idea, I will give you the land to have for your possession, and the concepts that that we've just looked at in Leviticus are quite contradictory because it makes it very clear in Leviticus Mm. land, isn't your possession, you are permitted to use it under these conditions and you're expected to use it to fulfill your role. Um, Mm. And it could, it could be that we could read it that way. You know, if I give you something, it's not always necessarily as a possession. I can give it to you to use. I can give it to you to borrow. Uh, I can give it to you as a punishment. Uh there's all sorts mm. of ways I can give you something. Yeah. But of course our default assumption as you said is if if the if the giving of land is a, is its possession. But you know the Israelites mm. were never um very far away from having the land taken off them for a variety of reasons as we see later. They don't they don't keep hold of it very very long or very well. Um because of their, their behavior and because they turn from God and, and all the rest of it. They're constantly either having the land taken away from them or them being taken away from the land. And so it's, it's so when, also that thing where it's been given, but it hasn't been given without condition. And it can be taken
2: away. When God says, through in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's what he says to Abram. I think it's very conventional to interpret this as being messianic in in its scope. Um, Jesus was a descendant of Abram, was a part of the family of Abram. And we as Christians see God through Jesus blessing, in, abundantly blessing the whole earth, all the families of the earth. So I don't have a problem with that. I, I like that, but I we should at least ponder it a little bit. What Uh, Is that the only way? Is that the right way? How how are we hearing this promise? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I like that because it says there is a there is room for being a a conscious agent of blessing. Like what I'm trying to say here is it's so easy, isn't it, to sort of as soon as you shift everything up to the God stage and you sort of say, oh, well, you know, um, through through Abram, all the families of the earth were blessed because Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. Suddenly, Abraham has actually less role in that. It's a no, little bit no disempowering. Agency. Whereas what you pointed out, what you pointed out, Cam, is, is an agency. Yeah, Luke, uh, um, a role, a, a significance, an importance, a contribution. And it doesn't take away from it being God's mission, but it does give... Us as subscribers to God's mission, a a kind of focus, something to orient ourselves around.
4: It, I think it's a really good point, Locke, because there is a certain view, and it tends it tends to be espoused in circumstances where someone is looking for an excuse not to do something that I don't really want to do, and the view is, well, it's God's plan. It's God's plan, and God's in charge of it. So it's gonna be it's gonna happen no matter what I do. Therefore, mm-hmm. I don't need to do any specific thing i don't need to help poor people because the poor will always be with us i don't need to care about the environment because the second coming is going to happen anyway etc etc um that's a very common way to think about it and that comes about by this this sort of abrogation of responsibility Um, but i think we've seen from all of these covenants that we're looking at that they in you know particularly i'm thinking of of noah's Covenant, which laid out the sort of concepts of justice and and human to human justice, um, they ascribe a very important role to the actions of people, and the role, you know, the, the the responsibilities that we are given in these in these agreements with God in these promises, um, are not important because necessarily of their outcomes. You know, if you look at circumcision, for example, you can, you can talk about cleanliness and and medical evidence and things like that, but there's no practical, it's, it's got nothing to do with God's plan. It's got nothing to do with salvation. It's got nothing to do with, um, the great controversy, uh, for the Israelites to all be circumcised on day seven or nine or whatever it was. Yeah. So all of Abraham's descendants Yes, that's a very good point, Cam. Um, and, and that, actually, it wasn't just Ismail; It was also all of his slaves, servants, mm. anybody, anybody who was under his authority was circumcised. Um, the story makes that quite clear. The, the things have value not just because of their... Uh, what, what I'm getting at is that um, it's, it's worthwhile us caring for other people and caring for the poor and caring for the environment not because we can solve those problems by ourselves but because it's the right thing to do and that's enough of a reason to do anything
2: yeah the story highlights that that god really is serious when he does include ishmael in the promise that he's promised to abraham's descendants like he says he says abram i will i will give a blessing to your son ishmael and then this story follows straight away to highlight sort of tangibly reinforce that message and there was a phrase there cam fear not or do not do not be distressed god said to abraham and that's that's echoes genesis 15 starts with the same thing this is this is the chapter we talked about last week we keep coming back to the first covenant passage with abram and it starts with fear not abram i am your shield your reward shall be very great but Abraham said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. It's it's a story of Abraham is concerned and perhaps confused. He's a bit agonized. At that part of the story, it's obviously before the children have been born, and it's just after Abraham has rescued Lot. So there's a a lot of distress, and God is using this phrase, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It seems to be a little bit of a refrain that comes out through the story the the lesson invites us to ponder what it means for god to say i am your shield to abram uh it it cannot mean obviously this is my comment it cannot mean that god prevents any hardships from coming up in abram's life
4: or perils i mean we were just talking and i can't recall now if it was before or after we started recording um, about the battle, you know, he he goes into battle um, to rescue rescue his allies. Um, leads a very mm. daring night assault with a, a small force against a much larger one, and comes out victorious. Uh, it's not the sort yeah. of thing that uh, you would say is particularly safe.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting it's an interesting phrase that God uses there. I am your shield. Um, I I read it. As hearkening back very much to the blessings that were mentioned in the um, in the initial call of Abram, you know, God says, "I will bless you," and now He's saying, "I am your shield." I was going
4: to add add to that, Cam. Um It makes me wonder if he's not um, he's not being very careful, also, to to. Um, make sure that what he receives is coming from God and not from other people. Because there's there's a bit in um, Genesis 14, the end of Genesis 14, um, when the king of Sodom basically offers Abraham all of his goods as a reward for saving his, his people. Um, and Abraham refuses um, to take anything of his uh Lest he should say, "I have made Abram rich, and I think I—I w- I wonder if he's not also he's going out of his way not to not not to um tarnish God's reputation in any way, not to dilute the narrative, not so that that anybody who looks at him, who knows him will say his blessings come from God and not from this king or that king or something like that. he seems to be very aware of his his responsibilities um, as somebody who is seen to be blessed by God, because um, it's it's just a few verses earlier to that. Well, Melchizedek, which uh, I believe we have interesting thoughts about as well. That particular character, um, uh, yeah, says, "Blessed be Abram of God, most high, possessor of heaven and earth." You know, and then you have his neighbors calling him, you know, prince among them, and all all the rest of it. Um, Abraham seems to be very determined to to make sure God is getting the credit for this, as it were. And that na- and that, that narrative is, is upheld.
3: I'll attribute that motivation to him, Luke. Um, I read it, and perhaps it says more about me than it says about Abraham. And there's a part of me which says... Uh, this is just one of those gentle negotiations that's happening, the little dance that happens. Um, and um, they are saying, uh, look, we really honour and respect you um, because of who you are. We will, of course, give it to you. Um, the right thing for you to do would be to pay for it, but we're not going to ask you to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and Abraham's uh, saying, on the other hand, um, well, I couldn't accept generosity like that. That's far too generous. Um, uh, I I have to pay my way, and he's doing that so that he's actually not in their debt, um, and that people can't come back to him. Now, again, I say that probably uh, demonstrates more about me and about an unwillingness that we have to be vulnerable and to be. Well, in I,
4: I think debt. either way, though, um, Ken. It it um it seems from all of the stories uh that well many of the stories i wouldn't say all you've got things like the story of what he his deception in egypt which was not um and interestingly isaac does a very similar thing later on uh with abimelech um almost identical in fact um uh, but his his conduct in dealing with other people is is exceptional you know uh, it is un- unusually um <clears throat> um not what's the word i'm looking for I'm cut out this pause it's it's i want to get the word it's um uh, o- honorable integrity um uh, yeah i keep thinking upright but that's not quite r- the right word um it's unusually ethical
3: yeah okay
2: Hmm. there's one other aspect here cam thanks for drawing our attention to this story in genesis 23 Uh, It's a long time since I've paid it much attention. But notice what Abram says at the start of these negotiations. He said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place. And what was said in Genesis 15, God had said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. Now, I I think one aspect of this also could be Abraham is now seeing the blessing and the promise starting to be more tangible, and he's wanting to identify with his descendants, with his people of blessing, the nation that he is to become. So he's identifying as the sojourner without the land.
4: And then a very important note, which we've mentioned already previously, that Isaac and Ishmael bury him together. It's just a, such a wonderful end to their story. And I, I think it's, it's very illustrative that so much of the story of Abram is about his interaction with foreign tribes, essentially, people who were not part of this covenant, who are not part of this blessing, um, and how, how well and fairly, generally, he deals with them. Um, and maybe that's a that's a um an interesting thought to end on and to send everyone away with to think about in uh, in
3: their own lives I, I wanted to finish with these two questions <laughs> uh there, there there were there were there were i feel we've wandered around into lots of different places without much direction today um uh i i'm um, f- a bit like well, a bit like Abraham, and and here's here's the overarching story that I want to, uh, want us to see with this, um, text that we've taken in Genesis chapter twelve. In the beginning, human beings were given dominion, um, uh, and uh, told to be fruitful and multiply, and given responsibility uh, for the world, uh, the animals in it, uh, creation generally. Uh, so there was dominion. Dominion is not a bad thing. Um, uh, the uh, uh, They had resources uh, available, uh, enormous resources available. Having resources available is not a bad thing. Um, they then became sojourners uh, in the world, uh, out of the Garden of Eden, uh, in a strange and foreign land. Um, uh, but Abraham is an example of being given a blessing and the purpose of that blessing is to be a blessing. Um, the, uh, then, in the very end, so that's our life here as sojourners. In the end, we come to Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And we find that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So even now, as we look to the fulfilment of that, uh, we are no longer strangers and aliens. But insofar as we remain those strangers and aliens like Abraham, the question I think we need to ask is, where has God given dominion to me? Where is the kingdom uh, that he has placed in my hands? That is, in what ways has he blessed me? Is it physical strength, organisational ability, intellect, creativity, discipline, wealth? If it is any of those things, and it will be something of that nature, how is it that that blessing is being a blessing to others? That's what I would like to finish with.
0: Well, that, uh, that wraps it up for our podcast for this week. If you have any comments, or if you would like to hazard a guess, Perhaps at what my own suggestions were that were that were missed out in the in the uh, recording stolen in the rapture taken away from us in the rapture uh, the secret rapture of MP3 files. Uh, if you have any suggestions or comments or insights, uh, please email them to us at the address SabbathSchoolFromHome at gmail dot com. And we're glad that you chose to listen to our recording, and we look forward to you joining. Uh, into next week's discussion and we do really encourage anyone who who has any insights or any thoughts or any questions to take part and to email us because we, we really do like hearing
1: back from you